for you today. Yet so, yet it, yet it came to me so profoundly. I've got a lot of scripture this morning that I'm going to give you. I've got a lot of things that I'm going to give you. But I'm going to start off with an introduction this morning. I'm going to give you an introduction to what God has given me. Let me get to my scripture here real quick. I was talking to the to the worship team and the leadership team in the back as we were getting ready to pray this morning for the for this morning's service. And I know this has been different. I know this is some of you are probably saying, "Man, this guy is weird. He 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 doesn't know what he's doing." I'm only obeying the Lord and what he has told me to do. I, I can only do what God says to do. I, I feel such a heavy anointing, but I also feel the enemy fighting at the same time. And, and you know, this, this whole, the, 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 probably this last six to eight weeks, I've been feeling some things inside of me that I've never felt before in my entire life. My Christian life has had its ups and downs. It's had its ins and outs. It's been rough. It's, I, there, I've had some bumpy roads. I've had some, some times when I've, I've been on the mountaintop, and there, I've had some times when I've been down in the valleys. But I want to tell you something this morning. This last, eight, this last eight, or eight or so weeks, couple of months, has probably been the most trying time in my entire life. When, you're, when, you're, when your life completely lays in the balance, when you're going through physical attributes in your body that, are, that, that you're losing control, you're not able to work and provide for your family, you're not, I, I'm telling you, my, uh, and I'm not telling you this j- uh, just to, to make you feel sad for me or bad for me or anything, but my income for the month of January was less than $600. And, and, and I know that's, that, that, that has nothing to do with you. That's, that, that's on me. But, but, but I'm telling you, when the, the enemy begins to war within your mind, he begins to tell you certain things. And one thing that I have to be, have, and what Ashley said a while ago is very true, I have to remind myself who God is. I need to. Come, I have come by to tell somebody today that God is still God. God is still sitting on the throne. God is still your maker. God is still your healer. God is still your provider. God is still the one who resurrected you from a dead life. God is still the one who, who, who created his son, Jesus Christ. God is still the one that sent him up Galgotha's hill. God is the one that set him up and put his arms outstretched and nailed his hands to, the, to, to that tree nailed his feet to that tree and caused him to die a very suffering death so that we could have life and have life more abundantly. I'm telling you this morning that we've got to realize in our life sometimes we get to a point where we say I don't even know if God is even real. I don't even know if God even hears my prayers. I don't even know if God even understands what I'm going through. I've come by to tell you today that God is still God. He is not leave you, leaving you. He has not forsaken you, but he is still God. If you go throughout the Bible well, there are many, many different types of descriptions of God. The Bible says that God is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the beginning and the end. The Bible says that he is the first and the last. That means that he was before and he will be when it ends. I'm telling you, God, the Bible says that he is the rose of the Sharon. The Bible says that he is the lily of the valley, the bright and morning star. The Bible says that, 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 that on the third day he rose from the, gra- from the grave and then 40 days later he ascended to the right hand of the Father and interceded. We're talking about Jesus. He's still God. God and uh, God is three parts, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. I'll come by to tell somebody today that God is still God. Hallelujah. You're going to have to bear with me for a few moments because I'm, I'm, I'm trying to preach this word that God has given me. 
we got to realize who God is. And as I began to ask myself, God, who are you really? He took me to a study. And I began to study out the scriptures. And I began to, I began to move upon what, who God is. And then I talked to Brother Eddie last night. We get into a conversation, and all of a sudden, he says that, uh, that just this week he's downloaded a, a study on the very thing that I'm preaching about this morning. This morning, I am coming to you, and I'm going to preach to you the best that I can, some attributes of God. Sometimes we forget what God really is and what God really does, but we need to understand, yeah, if you, if you don't mind, we need to understand what the attributes of God are. He is an awesome God. Somebody say Awesome. Hallelujah. Lord's working me this morning. You're going to have to bear with me. Go to the, the, go to the book of Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3, verse number 13 and 14. Then Moses said to God, now, this is when, Mo, this is when Moses was, was talking to God. God was talking to Moses about going and freeing the people of Egypt. And Moses is saying, I don't know if I can do that. And here's what, here's what God's saying to Moses that he must do. Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? Verse 14 says this, And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, The you shall say to the children of Israel I am has sent me to you I've come by to tell somebody this morning that God said he is I am he doesn't need to be anything else but I am he doesn't need to be he doesn't he doesn't need any other description there are no mortal words that man can ever come up to describe God that's any better than I am he wasn't created by anybody else he, 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 he Muhammad didn't make him Buddha didn't make him Harry Krishna didn't make him but God existed before the creation of time I've come by to tell somebody today that God says I am that I am and can I tell you in your situation when you're going through troubles and trials when you're going through the deepest darkest nights in your life when you're not working a job and you don't know how what the how the next meal is going to come when you don't know how the next bill is going to get paid when you don't know how your children are going to have clothes or have the things that they need for school God's saying this morning I am that I am if you'll just believe in me I am that I am and I feel the power of the Holy Ghost. Somebody say amen. Hallelujah. Somebody say I am that I am. Hallelujah. I want to go over some attributes of God. I've got 12 of them so give me some time here. I know I, know I normally don't preach very long. I don't know how, this, how long this is going to be this morning but I believe that we need to hear this, this day and hour. I remember Friday night speaking uh, as, as the, uh, the minister was speaking he's talking about silencing the blacksmiths. The blacksmiths being preachers and teachers and, and parents and grandparents and anybody who, who, who tries to disciple someone else and, and he talks about in, in 1 Samuel chapter I believe it's uh, 13 or 17 I, when, uh, when Jonathan and, and his um, and his armor bearer, they, they go out and they fight the Philistines and talking about the blacksmiths who, who, who had been brought out of the land. And, and, and can I tell you today that the enemy wants nothing more than to silence the blacksmiths. He wants nothing more than to silence those of us that are sitting in this room. Can I tell you, if you are sitting in this room and you are saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost, that the enemy wants nothing more? Then to silence you, to get you to shut your mouth, to get you to a place where you, where, where you don't even know who he is anymore. It's real. 
Let me tell you, it's real. I've been there recently. I've been there. God, who are you? Why did you call me? Why did you set me apart from everybody else and call me to come to this little church? Why did you call me to come to this people and lead them? Why did you call me out of the, out of the darkness into the glorious light so that I can live this life of, of shame and guilt, so I can live this life of torment, so I can live this life where the enemy is in my ear every day? Come on. So, somebody better recognize. Somebody better get with me on this because I'm telling you, I'm not the only one in this room that's going through this thing. I can look across this room and I guarantee you there's not a soul sitting in this room that hasn't been going through the very same thing that I'm going through. I talked to pastor after pastor this weekend and every pastor that I talked to said, you know what, Pastor Dane, you're right. I've been feeling the same exact thing. I've been wanting to throw in a towel. I've been wanting to quit. But, I've got, but God is saying no. He says, I am that I am and I will do what I say. Said, I will do. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. First attribute I want to talk about. God is infinite. What does that mean? God was not created. God was in existence before anything else. There was nothing... I, I, I love how you talk to people out in the world. You, you talk to atheists and agnostics and all, the, all these people that say, you know, they believe in the Big Bang Theory and they believe that all this happened and created. I, I, when Christian was going through college, she had to do a philosophy paper. I, let me rephrase that. I had to do a philosophy paper for her. I did all of her writing. I should have the degree on my wall. Anyway, she had a philosophy paper and her, her she picked a, she picked a, 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 a subject called this. It was the distinction between the creation and science. You want to talk about the easiest 10-page paper I've ever written in my life? I did it in an hour and a half. And she got an A+. You want to talk about a subject? I got into the Word, and I, be, and I began to study the Word, and I began to write, and God began to just write through me. And can I tell you something? That nothing created God. Nothing created God. God was, God is, and is to come. That's what the Word said. God is the Word. I'm telling you, God was. That nothing ever created Him. Man didn't create God. Science didn't create God. There were no scientists sitting around in a lab one day putting this beaker with this beaker, and all of a sudden they put them together and said, you know what, we're just going to make this thing called God. No, God is God, and God will always be God. He is I am. So He is He is infinite. He is, he is all in existence. I've come by to tell somebody today that there is none other like God. You can't go to Buddha's house and get anything like you can with God. You can't go into my Muhammad's house and get anything like you can with God. You can't go into Harry Krishna's house and get anything like you can with God. But when we come into the presence of God, when we come into the house of God, and we get into His presence, His presence is all-powerful. His presence is all-knowing. His presence is all-sufficient. And when we come into His house, He begins to work things out in your life. He begins to work things for the good of those who love Him. Hallelujah. Praise God. Somebody give me an A. Somebody worship the Lord for just a second. Man, I'm preaching this morning. Hallelujah. Secondly, I'm going to try to go through these as quickly as I can. God is immutable. I love this one. What does that mean? God is, hold on, let me, let me go back to my scripture. Colossians uh, on God is infinite. Colossians chapter 1 verse 17, if you pull it up for me, Sister Christy. Colossians chapter 1 verse 7, I got ahead of myself. And he is before all things, and in him all 
things consist. That means before all things were ever created, he was there. And that means that all things that are created are in him. That means he created all things, including, including you and me, too. God is immutable. What does that mean? Pastor, what does immutable mean? It means that he is unchangeable. Go to, go, go to uh, Malachi chapter 3, verse 6. It says, for I am the Lord. I do not change, therefore you are not consumed, O sons of Jacob. Let's read that again. He said, read it together with me. He says, for I am the Lord. I do not change. Hallelujah. He says, I am the Lord. I do not change. God does not change. He is the same today, yesterday, and forevermore. He is, he is not going to be any different tomorrow than he was yesterday. He's not going to be any different today than he was 10 years ago. He's the same God. Yes, he likes to do things a little bit differently every once in a while, but he is still the same God. He is the same God that took you, took you out of your sins and put you into righteousness. He is the same God that pulled you out of your financial desperation and put you into financial gain. He is the same God that pulled you out of depression and put you into a joyous life. He is the same God. He does not change. Hallelujah. Lord have mercy. Oh, God's going to have to touch my body right now. I am feeling the power of the Holy Ghost. Romans chapter 8, verses 35 through 39 says this. Who, if we know that God is unchangeable, then this is what we know that God says about us being, about him not being unchangeable and what he does for us. He says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? He is unchangeable. Nothing shall separate us from the love of Christ. Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword. Go to the next one. As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Because God is unchangeable, that means that we have conquered. We are conquerors. That means the battle is not yours, it is mine, saith the Lord. He is unchangeable today. He is not going to change. He's not going to change for the enemy. He's not going to change for you. He's not going to change for any other God that is out there, any other idol. He is still God. Hallelujah. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor anger angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come. Hallelujah. Go to 39. For no height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. He is unchangeable. What does that mean? I'm going to say this to you. That means that he does not change his mind about you. That just came to me. That wasn't, that's not in my notes. God says he does not change his mind regarding you. What he, what he planned for Jeremiah 29 11 says, For I know the plans and the thoughts that I have towards you, plans for a future, not to harm you. And that God said that, he, and he has not changed his mind. No matter how old you get, he never changes his mind. You know, sometimes, my mother is real bad about this. She, she's 60-something years old now, and, and I'm not going to tell you how 60 much she is, but she's 60-something years old. She could tell you if she wants to Friday and Saturday, ladies, when you're here. But, but, uh, but, 
She's 60-something years old, and she's lived a life. She's, she is a, an ordained minister in the church of God. She has preached thousands upon thousands of messages. She has ministered to thousands and thousands of people. And can I tell you that the same God that called her when she was, a, when she was in the womb of her mother is the same God that says that she could do the same thing at 60-something years old. You never get too old to work for God because God never changes his mind about you. Kenneth Yates is sitting at, sitting at home today, sick in body, but his mind is at church. Why? Because God has not changed his mind about him. He is unchangeable. He will never change his mind about you. No matter where you stray, no matter where you go, no matter what path you may travel down, God will never change his mind about you. There's only one way that he will ever depart from you, and that's if you commit the sin that is unpardonable. Other than that, he will never change his mind about you. As a matter of fact, even then, he won't change his mind about you. You take away his, his authority. My Lord, have mercy. I hope you caught that. He does not change his mind about you. He is immutable. Thirdly, I got 12 of these. Good Lord. Why did I do that? God is omnipotent. God is omnipotent. When I was in the military, I worked on airplanes. I worked on F-18 fighter craft, and there was a hangar bay down at the end of the, of the flight deck that when, when airplanes were, 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 were struggling with their engines and things were going on in, in, in their life that, that was going wrong, what, what they would do is they would, take these, they would take these jets down into this big old hangar bay where they had this great big old firewall, and they would hook up this, the, the jet to all these chains, and, and I was certified to do this. I, I, was, I would sit in the jet, and it, it I would do diagnostics on the jet. And let me tell you, they had to put so many chains on this jet because the engines were so powerful that they would literally, that they would literally if, if someone would, would someone uh, at, say, just an average 180 pounds would, were to stand behind an F-18 at full power, that F-18 would literally disintegrate that, that human being. And I would take the jet down there, and, and man, the whole time I would be sitting in there, my, my cranial with my, with my earmuffs on would be shaking and my head would be shaking my body would be vibrating that's power can i tell you that god is even more powerful than that he is omnipotent he is more powerful than any being you can ever come up against he is more powerful than the enemy that comes and tries to tickle your ears with little things saying you need to do this you need to forget about that you need to forget about this you you know what you are you're not, you're not called you're not you're not blessed you're not even saved you don't even have the wisdom to teach that class you don't even have the wisdom to be that youth pastor you don't even have the wisdom to be that associate pastor you know what you don't even have the wisdom to work on that on that soundboard you don't even have the voice to sing that song you know what your your key plan's not good enough your drum plan's not good enough your fingers aren't good enough on the strings can i tell you that's what the enemy does every single day day in and day out he tries to get into your your ear but god says i am that i am he is omnipotent he is more powerful than that all he has to do is come and stand he doesn't even have to say a word all he's got to do is come and put his two feet down right next to you and the enemies recognized, and the Bible says that the enemies recognized who he was, and they had to run away from him. That's what the Bible says. He is omnipotent, all-powerful. Go to that scripture. I got to remember what scripture that was. Let me get to my notes. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 says this, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. You know, because he is omnipotent, can I tell you that that same power works in us? 
Hello? The same power that God has, the same omnipotence that God has can work with, through you. Jesus said to his disciples, greater works shall you do than I have ever done. And Jesus was God in the flesh. Can I tell you that, you, that if one could put, put uh, uh, however many of the fly, I can't remember what that says now. If one could put, put uh, 100,000 to flight and two could put 10,000 to flight, how many more can we put to flight? That's the omnipotence of God through us. He can work through you. He is omnipotent, all-powerful. His power is great and mighty. Fourthly. God is omniscient. Pastor, what does omniscient mean? It means all-knowing. That means that God knows everything. How do we know God knows everything? He created it. He created it. He created everything, the heavens and the earth, the birds of the air, the fowl of the, uh, of the air. He, he created the fishes in the sea, the beasts of the land. He created man. He created wood. He created everything. He created the seas. He created land. He created everything. He is all-knowing. Isaiah chapter 46, verses 9 and 10 says, Remember the former things of old, for I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure. He is all-knowing. He knows everything. Can I tell you that he knows when you're battling? He knows when you're struggling. He knows when you're in the deepest, darkest pit of your life. You might, you might be laying in your bed someday thinking, you know what, I don't even think God knows what I'm going through. Can I tell you that he created what you're going through? Somebody said, uh-oh, God doesn't put us through those things. I didn't say he put you through them. I said he created them because he created all things. And so he, he created them. Now, I believe that the enemy had a little bit to do with that when he created sin in the, in the, in the garden, and man messed it up, but, but God created it. Hallelujah. He is all-knowing. Fifthly, God is omnipresent. I love talking about this one. Omnipresent. We know this. That means he is always everywhere. Psalms chapter 139, verses 7 through 10 says this, Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? Verse 8. If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea. Verse 10. Even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. He is everywhere at all time. What does that mean? It, now, I, I, I want to explain something to you. God is not in everywhere like we are somewhere. But because our presence is physically here, that is not how God operates. God is not physical matter. God is everywhere because he is God. He created everything, so he is just plainly in existence. He is a deity. He is sovereign. He, he, he is absolutely everything that we are not. He is everywhere at all times. Number six, God is wise. God is wise beyond all years. You say, Pastor, what do you mean? How, how many of you sometimes have asked God for wisdom? What does he do? He shows you through his word. You can't gain any wisdom without the word. And the word is God breathed. God delivered through man, but God delivered. Holy Spirit inspired. That's what we believe. 
It's Holy Spirit inspired. Romans chapter 11, verse 33. It says, oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. I know I'm giving you a lot of scripture. Write them down if you can. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. I want to read the, oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. He goes forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. No matter how much wisdom you want to seek, God is always able to give it. He says, I am that I am. If you don't know how to deal with what you're going through, just ask God to give you the wisdom to get over what you're going through, how to, how, to, how to combat the enemy, how to read your word and to understand the revelation that God has for you. I'm telling you, God is wise with perfect wisdom. He is not going to leave you without wisdom. He is not going to leave you without an escape, without a way out, but he is going to give you the things, the knowledge and, and the ability to do those things. Why do you think that God gives us talents? Why do you think that God gives us the things in our life? Why do you think God gives us mechanical abilities or gives us the ability to sing or to play instruments it's because he is wise beyond all years why do you think God give us a brain in our head so that we can think so that we can think on his things so that he can get us through the things that God that, that the enemy is trying to put us through he is wise beyond all wisdom hallelujah number seven I'm trying to push through th- through these guys God is faithful I hear some amens there God is faithful. I'm going to say that again. God is faithful. When it seems like all hell has crushed in and it seems like everything is lo- like you have lost all of your being. When it seems like the enemy has just come in like a flood and, to- and told you that you are never going to amount to anything. God is faithful and true to his promises. My Bible tells me that his promises are yea and amen. That means that they are true. It doesn't mean that they are false. It means that they are true. God cannot lie. He does not lie. He will not leave you. He will not forsake you. He will not put you in a path of unrighteousness righteousness. God is a righteous God. He will only set you in a path of righteousness if you will only follow him. The only way you stray away from God is to do it on your own accord. But God is faithful and he will be faithful to you until the end of the earth. God is faithful to do that that he has said. If he has said that he has called you to a ministry, I guarantee you if you set yourself on that path, if you allow God to set you on that straight and narrow path, his promises are true and you will commit to that and he will will establish what God has said. I know I am living proof standing here today. I never thought in a million years that I would ever be standing in front of a congregation pastoring a church. But God said my promises are true. Hallelujah. He is faithful. He is faithful when your finances are going rough. He is faithful when your body's not not in in the proper order that it should be. He is faithful when your children are leaving out and going out into the world. He is faithful. The Bible says, train up a child in the ways of the Lord and they shall never depart from it. He is faithful. I guarantee I've got two brothers that are not serving God right now and I pray for them every day. I guarantee you that God is faithful to his word. God has promised me that he is going to save them. I've got my two brothers both. Both of them may may not be living a right life, but both of them have a tender heart and one of these days uh, there's going to come a time when I'm going to be able to reach them. I've tried and I've tried and I've tried and I've tried and I've tried I don't know how to try anymore but God said that he is faithful to his promises. If you've got a loved one right now and they are out in this world and they are not living for God, can I tell you that his promises are yes and amen. He will fulfill what he has said. Can I tell you that the promises of God to fulfill what God has said that he is going to fulfill in your life are coming to fruition and he said what he is going to 
to have to happen in your lives is going to come true. Hallelujah. He is faithful. He is faithful. He is faithful. Come on, somebody say, He is faithful. Hallelujah. Deuteronomy chapter 7 verse 9 says this. Know therefore that the Lord your God is God. He is the faithful God. Keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commandments. Let's say that again. He is the faithful God. Let's say it again. He is the faithful God. He is the faithful God. Keeping his covenant. He's faithful. Number eight, God is good. What does that mean? What does good mean? Any of you ever watched that movie with Bruce Almighty? It's good. What is good? God is good. God is good. You know what? There are some foods that I like. Matter of fact, I, I went over to Josh and Chrissy's house last night and invited me over. My family was gone. Uh, up to the city, and, uh, shopping, and Malachi was at work. And he said, you know what, come on over and eat. And Sister Chrissy made this meal. My Lord have mercy. It was good. Anyway, Cajun shrimp and sausage and potatoes. And I, I mean, I ate a whole bunch. Everybody's going to look at her now and go, where was my invite? But can I tell you, no matter how, much good, how, how good food tastes, God is so much better. God is good he is faithful and just he is good he is good to do he is good to do the things that he has said that he is going to do he is good to us why is he good to us because he doesn't ever leave us or forsake us he doesn't leave us alone when we're destitute he doesn't leave us to 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 the enemy but he keeps us Uh, psalm chapter 34 verse 8 says this it says taste and see that the lord is good Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. If you've got something going on in your life, all you need is a good God. All you need is to take refuge in him. My Bible says that he is a strong tower. He says that he says that we are to nestle into the into the cleft of his rock. And he, he is our rock. He is our strong tower. He is good to us in times of trouble, in times of, uh, when we are neglecting him. He is still good to us in times when we say, God, where are you? Guess what? He's still good to come back to you. And when we, when we say, God, well, I don't even know if you exist anymore. He's still good enough to still come, on, come to our aid and come on our behalf. God is good. Number nine, God is merciful. That means he's compassionate. Romans chapter 9, verses 15 and 16 says this, For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. Verse 16 it does not, therefore, depend on human desire or effort, but on God's mercy. God's mercy does not depend on man. God's mercy is only God's mercy. God's mercy is great. God's mercy endureth forever. God's mercies are new every morning. What does that mean? That means that it doesn't matter what you do, that God is still merciful. He still has compassion on you. When you make a mistake, He is still compassionate. When you, when you, when you sin unbeknownst to yourself, God still has compassion on you to forgive your sins, no matter what the cost. I'm telling you, God is a merciful God. He sees fit to love you, no matter when you seem like you might be unlovable. He seems fit to 
to love you when, he, when no one else will love you. He seems fit to love you when you're deep down in, 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 your, in your habits, when you're deep down in your depression, when you're deep down in things that got you wrapped up. God is merciful, compassionate. How do we know that? Man, just look at, look at the scripture in the life of Jesus. Jesus was compassionate. He had compassion on the widow at the, at, at the, at the city of Nain. Raised her son from the dead because she needed him. He had compassion on Jairus' daughter. Jairus came to him. He went to, the, he went to Jairus' house and raised his daughter from the dead. He had compassion on Mary and Martha and Lazarus when he went to the tomb to get his glory. He raised Lazarus from the dead. He had compassion. He had compassion on the 5,000 when, when he chose a little boy with two, with two loaves of bread and five fishes and, and created a, a, an entire meal for over 5,000 people. He had compassion. I'm telling you, God is a merciful God. He is compassionate. It doesn't matter what point in your life you're in. It doesn't matter what sin has you down. It doesn't matter what ailment has you down. It doesn't matter what, what deep, dark thing in your life has you down or what secret might have you down. God is a merciful God. He he will always come to your aid and to your rescue. He is merciful. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Number 10. I think I've been preaching like 50 minutes now. I'm almost done. I got three more. God is gracious. God is gracious. God is gracious. What does that mean? Every one of us in here at one point in our time, at one point in time in our life, experience the grace of God what do you mean how many of you are born without sin raise your hand <laughs> not one person no one in this room is perfect no one was born into a perfect life we were all born into sin what does that mean that one day that we come down to an altar of grace God was gracious enough to save us from a life of damnation. God was gracious enough to save us from a life of hell. If God can be gracious enough to do that for you, what makes you think that he can't do that for the, for the prostitute that's standing out there on the road by the, by the stop sign? Who, who, who are we to say that God won't do that for the beggar who is sitting over by Walmart with a bucket in his hand saying, God bless the USA. I'm hungry. I need some help. Who's to say that, that God can't do that for the person who's got that, who's got that alcohol bottle in their hand and they are, they're, they're so drunk and inebriated that they don't know what's going on in their life who's to say that God can't do that for the person who is who has just shot up heroin and needs needs some police to come on the scene with some Narcan to wake him back up before they die can I tell you God is a gracious God it doesn't matter what 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 sin you is in your life you, God is gracious enough he, you know God is gracious enough to to, to go to, to I, I guarantee you that if Kim Jong-un were to walk into this building right now and walk up to these altars and he were to change his life and say you know what God I repent of every sin that I've created God is gracious enough even to save that heathen right there can I tell you that Hitler himself if he just would have said God you know what I just I, I, I'm, I'm I've done all that I've killed all these people I've done all this if he would have just turned his life over to Christ Christ would have been gracious enough to say you know what you be thou saved and go and sin no more he is a gracious God without grace we would not be here without grace we would not have a church Without grace, we wouldn't have worship. We wouldn't have preaching. We wouldn't have teaching. Without grace, I believe that this world would have already been created, been cremated. Amen? Somebody agree with me this morning. Without grace, this world would have done ended. Psalm chapter 145, verse 8 says this. 
Hallelujah. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich to love. Can I, can I, I, let me just be honest with you this morning. When I was living in my sin, God should have been completely just stupidly angry with me. Amen? How many of you agree with me? When you were deep in dark, Brother John, when you, when you, were, when you were doing what you were doing in, in, in alcoholism and, and when I was in alcoholism, God should have been angry with us. He should, have been, he should have been mad at us and should have, just, should have just discarded us because we were nothing. We aren't worthy of, of his grace. We aren't worthy of what is it. But you know what? He said, I have love for you. My grace is sufficient for you. I love you. It doesn't matter what you've done. Come into my kingdom. That's what God says. He is gracious. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, but it is the what? Gift of God. Grace is a gift from God. I'm trying to, I'm trying to get done. Bear with me. Number 11. God is holy. God is holy. What does that mean? That means that he is perfect. He is set apart. Because God is holy, he requires us to be a holy nation. He requires us to be a holy nation, a royal priesthood. That's what he says he will make us, a holy nation, a royal priesthood. Revelation chapter 4 verse 8 says this. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around. Even under its wings, day and night, they never stop saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Who what? And what? And what? Hallelujah. That goes back to him not being created by anyone else because he was, he is, and he is to come. He is perfect. No one ever made him because everything that is ever made can have an issue with it. It can be infallible, but God is infallible. There is nothing imperfect about him. Everything is perfect. He is magnificent. He is glorious. He is is beautiful. He, He is the most amazing thing that you will ever have in your life. And when you're in the deepest and darkest times of your life, if you will just respond to him as he has given you grace and he has given you mercy, when you respond to him, his perfectness perfectness shows up on the scene and you begin to feel the love and the mercy that he has for you. He is perfect today. Amen. Lastly, Christian, go ahead and come. Hallelujah. Man, the Lord hasn't worked me like this in a while. I'm wore out. God is glorious. It means he is beautiful. He is great. Habakkuk chapter 3 verse 4. His splendor was like the sunrise. Rays flashed from his hand where his power was hidden. A few years ago, back in 2009, I, I purchased my first motorcycle. I joined a, a, a Christian motorcycle group called the, the Christian Motorcycle Association. We would take rides 
all over the countryside. Two-lane roads all over the state of Missouri, state of Arkansas. I've been, I've been all over Arkansas and Oklahoma. I've been, I've been all, all over the place riding my motorcycle, me and my wife. Then I bought my second one, which was a little bit bigger for her, have a little bit more space to sit on. I can remember some of those rides. You know, the, the, the splendor of the creation of the earth does no justice to the splendor of God. But can I tell you that when you're in the open air, riding through the countryside, even driving a car, and you begin to see the sunrises and the sunsets, you begin to see all the majestic colors joining in together and the, how the sun just illuminates over the sky and the clouds. And when you see the wind rustling through the trees and you see the, the rays of the sunshine going through and hitting the ground and, and you go through tunnels of trees where you see little bitty bits of sun, sun rays coming in and, and you're riding through that and you're feeling the wind and you're hearing the birds chirping and, and you're, hearing, you're hearing waters of rivers flowing and, you're, and all these things. I'm telling you, one, probably one of the most beautiful trails of road that I've ever driven on. Christian and I were on vacation and we were coming back from South Carolina. And we, we, uh, we ended up going from, uh, I can't remember what town it was. My Uncle Mel was living there. We were visiting him. He was on his deathbed. And I plugged into our GPS. It was somewhere in the mountains on the on, in middle to western border of South Carolina. I plugged into my GPS to get to Knoxville, Tennessee, where we were going to catch a hotel room for the night. Now, normally, when you, when you travel that, you try to get to I-64 and head through the mountains and all that on a four-lane highway, the interstate. But for some reason, Sister Jess, my, my, I, I, my GPS was glitched a little bit. And in, and in the middle of all the mountains, and I think this was, was just God just putting it, because it was beautiful, wasn't it? Some of the most beautiful road I think we've ever traveled. We traveled several different highways to get from South Carolina to Knoxville. Two-lane roads that didn't even go up to the top of the mountain. It stayed in the valley. And we went over rivers, over streams. We seen waterfalls and rainbows. And it went like this and like this and like this. And there were, there were some times when we were doing 25 miles an hour around switchbacks, watching the glorious hand of God, how he created the earth. doesn't even scratch the surface of what heaven's going to be like. Sometimes we have to be reminded of who God is. I know I've given you a lot of information this morning, and I've given it to you fast and furious. But God took me to a place Friday afternoon in my bedroom, laying in my bed, feeling sorry for myself. I'm just going to be honest with you. Feeling completely sorry for myself. Texting my wife, said, I, I don't think I'm even going to be able to go to, go to service tonight. I just, I just feel horrible. Really what I was doing, Sister Hannah, I was having a pity party. Just feeling sorry for myself. Oh, woe is me. The enemy's fighting. The enemy's telling me to 
to give up. The enemy's telling me to move back to Cuba. The enemy's telling me that you don't deserve the church. The enemy's telling me you don't deserve this family. The enemy's telling me you don't deserve the house that you live in. The enemy's telling me you don't deserve the family that you were born in. The, enemy, the enemy's telling me, why don't you just go ahead and kill yourself? You say, oh, oh pastor, that's, that's horrible. You, you don't think pastors, you don't think pastors hear that voice of the enemy? Somebody needs to catch what I'm saying this morning. We have to be reminded who God is. And God showed up on the scene as I was laying on my back. My phone up and my YouTube on. I just typed in worship. I said, God, I've got to get out of this funk. I've got to, whatever is going on in my mind, I've got to get out of this. I feel horrible. I haven't been to work all week. I've, I've been sick to my stomach. I haven't eaten. Listen, depression is real. I've lost almost 20 pounds just because of depression. I said, Pastor, we had no idea. It's real. Ladies, after you have children, postpartum depression, it's real. Can I get a witness? It's real. My wife went through it. I understand. It's real. Depression is real. What does it do to you? Deprives you of hunger. Messes your brain all up. Chemical imbalances in your body all over the place. Makes your, your systems do things that, you wouldn't nor- that they wouldn't normally do. Makes you have symptoms of the flu that you, that, 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 you thought, that, that you thought was really the flu, and it's not. It's depression. I'm not telling you this because I want you to have a pity party for me. Because I had a revelation Friday. All of a sudden, I seen this clip of a video, and it said, this is a move. And Break Every Chain by Tasha Cobbs Leonard. The song that we began with the very beginning. And I know that was a struggle. Today, today's been a struggle completely because the enemy does not want us to hear what God has to say today. But she began to talk to the congregation. She began to say some things. And, and she, began to, she began to declare the song. She began to say, there's mountains that God can still move. Brother Cammers, there's mountains in your life that God is yet to, to remove. Eddie and Megan, there's mountains in your life that God is yet to move. You don't even know they're there yet. Brother John, There's giants still yet to be slayed in your life. Brother John, there's bodies in your family still to be raised. Church, if ever we needed a move of God, 
we need to move of God now. It's time for us as a church to stop waiting. I'm going to say something extremely bold here in a minute. Matter of fact, I'm, I'm just going to get real with you, okay? Because this is what I believe the Spirit of the Lord is saying. How many of you all have ever heard of the Spirit of Jezebel? Okay. How many of you have heard of the Spirit of Jezebel? The Spirit of Jezebel is talking about in the, in the Old Testament and the New Testament, in the book of Revelation. Now, the Spirit of Jezebel used a tool of sexual immorality. But sexual immorality wasn't the Spirit. I'm going to say that again. Somebody better catch what I'm saying. Sexual immorality was not the Spirit. The Spirit of Jezebel was the Spirit to attach itself to the leadership, to attach itself to the head. Husbands, husbands, can I tell you that if ever the Spirit of Jezebel has hit the church, the spirit of Jezebel has hit the church today. Every single church that is trying to do something great for God, the spirit of Jezebel is trying to snatch that, that, in, that, that head of that church. He's trying to snatch the head of your households. He's trying to snatch mothers and fathers. He's trying to snatch grandmas and grandpas. He's trying to snatch Sunday school teachers. He's trying to snatch youth pastors. He's trying to snatch children's pastors. He's trying to snatch uh, uh, anybody who has anything to do with evangelism. The, the, the spirit of Jezebel is real. You know what the problem is? We're tolerating the spirit of Jezebel. I want that to sink in for just a second. I'm guilty. Not sexual immorality. I've tolerated the spirit of Jezebel to come into my life and to disrupt what God is trying to do. Husbands, guard your wives. Wives, guard your husbands. Teenagers, pray for your youth pastors. Children, pray for your children's pastors. Couples, pray for your couples' pastors. Church, pray for your pastors. Church, pray for your evangelism pastors. Pray for your associate pastors. Pray for all those who are in leadership. Why? Because the Jezebel spirit is alive and running rampant in our churches today. But we have to understand that God says, I am that I am. And the spirit of Jezebel cannot come against the I am. The spirit of Jezebel cannot come against God. Why? Because he's all of those attributes that I told you today. He is powerful. He is righteous. He is a holy God. Unchanged changeable hallelujah stand with me 